So the Eagles do hit the practice field this week during their bye for a couple days. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Is Jalen Hurts more hurt than the Eagles initially have let on? Talk about that, as well as some of the other injuries, uh, get some updates, some positive. And we're going to also discuss a little bit some of the playoff games that are happening this weekend to see who the Eagles will play in the first round. We'll talk about all that and more up next on Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of the day it is that you're listening to this program. Welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And as I mentioned in the opener there, um, quite a few things we're going to talk about here on the, I guess, bi-week podcast. I don't know what else to really call it for Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. Thank you, as always, for everybody who tunes in. If you could, and I, I hate to ask for this, but it does help the podcast, believe me. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just taking a second, hitting a like, a follow, whatever, five-star rating, whatever podcast uh, that you're on uh, listening to, they kind of vary. But uh, if you could rate me five stars, I'd greatly appreciate it. And thank you for tuning in. So, bye week is underway. The uh, first round of the playoffs will begin this weekend. Better touch about those, you know, give me my thoughts on some of those games. And, uh, you know, but first, Eagles news. We'll give you the latest, and uh, a lot of it is good news. So uh, full practice this week. Again, they're not really, like, hitting each other, but they are in pads. Uh, but Josh Sweat has returned. So, you know, obviously we all were concerned when he went down in that last game early. I'm sorry, it was against the, was it against the Bears? It was against the Bears, right? So it wasn't the Giants game, but against the Bears when he went down uh, in the first quarter and uh, left the game on a cart. A lot of that was just precautionary. Uh, Sweat just said that he momentarily lost lost feeling, which is always scary, of course, uh, but regained it pretty quickly. And uh, for precautionary reasons, they obviously uh, took him out of the game, took him to the hospital. Uh, but he's a full go. And that's obviously good news because, uh, you know, he actually missed the playoffs. Last year, he missed that game against Tampa. If you remember, he had to get rushed to the hospital with some, in, you know, internal bleeding that issue that he was having. If you guys can uh, recall that, um, so uh, that's something of note because again, they didn't have Josh Sweat last year. But uh, like I said, full practice, full go. Lane Johnson was at practice today. Um, now he's not, you know, doing a lot, but the fact that he was out there. Um, he's, you know, he's going to try to give as much as he can with that type of injury that he has. We know that that's going to be difficult for Lane, I think, to get through, you know, the next potentially three games. You got to figure the divisional game, the conference final game, and then the Super Bowl game. There's three games, um, you know, that he's going to have to get through with a abductor injury there that uh, we know needs surgery. But Lane's a tough guy. 
he's going to give us as much as we can and we'll keep our fingers crossed every game that he is out there to see if, you know, hopefully he's going to be as effective uh, or at least, you know, like I said, you know, like we talked about 75% of Lane Johnson is better than, uh, than Driscoll. Uh, but Driscoll I'm sure is going to uh, be uh, ready to come in at a moment's notice because who knows, who knows how much Lane's going to be able to give us. But the fact that he's out there right now, uh, that is a, a good sign. Avante Maddox, they never put him on IR. Um, now, for me, and I don't know why nobody's picking up on this, I thought he went on IR earlier this year because everyone's like, well, they didn't put him on IR. And I'm thinking, well, if they put him on IR a second time, aren't the players automatically out, like out for the year? Like you can only put a person on an IR, a player on IR, once during the season. If you have to put them on an IR again the second time, they're done. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody mentions that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he did not go on IR the first time around. I thought he did with his first injury. But every time, you know, the national broadcasters or the regional or even the team guys talk about it, they never mention that. So maybe I'll do a little bit more legwork on that and find out. Maybe they did not officially put him on the IR the first time. I thought they did with his first initial uh, ankle injury that he had. Um, but anyway, the bottom line is um, they never put him on IR the second time for whatever reason, which means that they're hopeful that uh, he might be able to potentially come back uh, for the playoffs. I highly doubt he'll be back next week. Um, I'm thinking um, maybe they'll have him for the NFC uh, conference game. And at the very least, if they're able to get to the Super Bowl, you know, perhaps he can play then because that'll be an additional two weeks in between the conference and the Super Bowl game. So we'll see. We will see. And the main topic of conversation is Jalen Hurts. I don't think there's any question in my mind, at least for me, that Jalen Hurts is far more injured in his shoulder than the Eagles let on. Now, I don't think this is gamesmanship. I think Hurts is really, really hurt. Um, and what's concerning is that it doesn't seem to be healing as quickly as a lot of people have mentioned that grade two sprains should be. So I think there's some additional, which they've said, they said there's some a little bit of separation between the clavicle and the shoulder joint or whatever. I think they call it the AC area or something like that. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, not a surgeon, not a orthopedic, whatever. Um, but there's something else going on there because, you know, there's no doubt that he's hurt. And even, you know, with the practicing going on this week, Hertz has been out there, but he's not throwing a ball. Um, he's just kind of going through the motions and doing his thing, which I guess is fine. But, uh, you know, I don't know how much I talked about it. And my last podcast, um, a recap of the Giants game, which was kind of a glorified scrimmage, although the Eagles had their starters in the whole game. Hertz certainly did not do any running. Um, and whenever he did need to scramble, uh, as soon as there was anybody nearby, he went to the ground. I think there's only a couple times where I saw that he was, you know, he was sacked, where he actually did, you know, get hit. Um, but he's, you know, that shoulder's still in rough shape and he's almost a month removed from the injury, the initial injury, at the bears game. Um, and Sirianni himself said that he was in, you know, basically saying he was really hurting during the giants game playing through, you know, what is perceived as quite a bit of pain. So, 
that is alarming because is he going to be able to, you know, how much, I guess, is the shoulder going to be able to strengthen and feel better in, you know, two weeks since, you know, we last saw him against the Giants. I don't know. You know, uh, it'll. I think the extra two weeks will definitely benefit him. But I, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think, which is, this is kind of tough news. Uh, I know this is just my opinion. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not Jalen's hurts. I don't know. I'm not Jalen's hurts. I'm not Jalen, so I don't know how much he's hurting and how much pain he is truly dealing with. Um, but I don't think we're going to have 100% Jalen Hurts throughout the playoffs. And here's the thing. He's going to have to play like Jalen. He, you know, in order for the Eagles to have any chance of taking this thing to the Super Bowl and hopefully winning it. They're going to need the, the Jalen Hurts that can run, take hits, get tackled, all of those things. They're going to have to have that. Otherwise, they have to change their entire offense right now. And how effective is that going to be? We know Hurts isn't the greatest pocket quarterback in the world, and they're not going to change their offense now to, to, uh, to do that unless he is so hurt that they don't want him running the ball at all. Which. Again, I'm taking some quantum leaps here. I'm not saying any of this is happening. Just a lot of this is speculation. Other than the fact that we know Hurts is is still hurt pretty bad and still hurting uh, as of the Giants game. And he's not throwing yet in practice, which is probably fine. I don't find that too alarming. If he's not throwing much next week, that would be more alarming. You know, I mean, we got a bye week for a reason. Give him an extra week you know, to give that shoulder and arm a rest. Um, so I don't kind of like, you know, all over the place here in my assessment, but there's some concern. And I guess that's my only reason for bringing it up is that, you know, he's going to get hit in the playoffs. There's some really good defenses that Hertz is going to be facing. Potentially Dallas. They know how to get to the back to the quarterback, uh, you know, get to the quarterback as we know. 49ers, one of the best defenses in the entire league. Bosa, guys like Parsons. These are the ones that are most likely in line to get the Eagles to the Super Bowl, are those guys. Even the Giants have been able to get to the quarterback. Let me put it this way their backups got the hurts a couple times. Um so that's another reason why Lane Johnson is also super, super important for as much as he can give the Eagles. So I, I'm definitely a lot more concerned about Hurts than I was last week, week before, when I think a lot of us, myself included, when you saw him, you know, throw the bomb down the sideline against, you know, against the Bears game a few plays after he got injured. You're like, ah, he can't be that hurt. Well, he is. And what you don't think about, or at least I was not thinking about, is that when you first initially get hurt, your adrenaline, your game, and all that, you're able to get through it. You're like, you hurt worse than you really are. You're able to kind of work through it. You, you really don't feel the injury for a day or two later because that's when the swelling comes in and the pain comes in. 
And that's why, even though he was able to throw the ball in that Bears game after he got hurt, um, it didn't look like much was wrong with him. So, I don't know. It's going to make things a lot more interesting than we were all hoping for. I think that's the key. Each time Hertz gets hit in these playoffs, we're going to hope he keeps getting up and that shoulder, he doesn't land on it or get hit on it. But think about this, right? Anybody who's going to hit Hertz in this game or in these future games, where are they going to target? They're going to try to hit that shoulder. They're going to try to hit that arm. And, uh, and, that's just that's part of the game. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so it makes me pause. It definitely makes me pause because um, you want the Eagles to be 100. percent You certainly want the quarterback to be 100. percent And I don't think the Eagles going to have 100 percent quarterback throughout the rest of the playoffs. That's just the way I I. I kind of view things at this point. Again, it's just a matter of opinion. That's just my opinion based on um, what I've heard from Hertz, what the Eagles and how they're treating Hertz, and also listening to some um, medical professionals discuss the Hertz injury. So we will see. Hopefully, you would think that these next two weeks off before they have to play again will help. They typically say a grade two shoulder injury takes between three to five weeks to heal. He will be at the five, almost the six week mark when they next take the field. So unless there's something else going on in there, which we know that there's some other significant pieces of this injury besides just a shoulder strain. Again, the collarbone connection or whatever, I guess there was a little bit of separation. There's something else going in, going on in there. But again, they never really, uh, even medically, increased the expected healing time or time frame for him to you know, heal from the injury. So with that said, let's just hope that there's some dramatic improvement that Hertz will experience over the next, um, let's just say, well, it's almost about a week now, a week out before the Eagles are going to have to play. So they're going to play either Saturday or Sunday next week, depending on how uh, this weekend's games uh, fall out. Um, so we'll keep a close eye on that. We're actually going to talk about the games here a little bit, and I'll give you my opinion on on these games. Um, all right. So wanted to spend some time just talking about that and uh, and what my thoughts are and on Hurts especially, because I think that's got to be the most concerning piece of the injuries other than, of course, Lane Johnson. That said, it was good to see Gardner Johnson back last week. And did you know he finished the regular season still leading the NFL interceptions? He ended up tied, but uh, the fact that he missed, I think, five games or so, um, just talks about the type of season that he had. So it's good that he's back, and he looked good. So he's, you know, essentially fully recovered from his uh, his kidney, lacerated kidney situation that he was dealing with. So the Eagles, for the most part, though, with Sweatback, Lane Johnson, we'll see. Hurts, that's the biggest issue. And Maddox with the potential return. The Eagles relatively, you know, when they do hit the field, 
should be in pretty decent shape injury wise. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the, um, I'm wondering if I should just go into the, I'll go into this first. Let's talk about the six Eagles that made the all pro team. Cause this is, uh, this is pretty, pretty awesome for our birds. First team selections. This would surprise nobody. Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Let's talk about Lane Johnson. And this is why it's so important. And I know that I've given the record, what their record is with them. And without, I've done that, you know, when he first got hurt. But according to Pro Football Focus, Lane Johnson was ranked first among right tackles in knockdown percentage. First, um, well, actually not first, but the only right tackle not to allow a sack or a quarterback hit the entire season, which is remarkable. Second among right tackles in pass blocking grade, 89.7. Second among right tackles in pressure percentage allowed, 1.7%. And third among right tackles in offensive grade, 83.6. Whatever those numbers mean, I'm not going to dig into them. Jason Kelsey, we all know and love Jason as, as you know, just like we do Lane. But Kelsey, this guy just has solidified it. If there was any question whether or not that he will be in the NFL Hall of Fame one day, this fifth selection as an all-pro will, I think, make some a shoe in now. And according to Pro Football Focus, Kelsey was second among centers in offensive grade at 88.5, second among centers in run blocking grade at 89.4, second among centers in pass blocking grade at 82. One of only two centers not to allow a sack or quarterback hit, a minimum of 400 pass blocking attempts. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, especially at his age, to still be this dominant. Um, now, we all know that Kelsey has been kicking around retiring for the last two years. Um, with numbers like that, will Kelsey come back? He's still playing at the top of his game. Um, but we also know now that he's got two little kids uh, and the fact that he was contemplating retirement for the last two seasons, the Eagles have already, you know, drafted his replacement last year. So, and he's this is his last contractual year too, I believe. So he would have to re-sign again with the Eagles, which he's been kind of doing one-year deals anyway for the last uh, couple of years, three years. So that's not. Uh, you know, that's not something that's uh, unprecedented. He, you know, he's already been doing that. Does Jason Kelsey come back again? I think a lot of this will have to do with how the Eagles do in the playoffs here because Kelsey knows that they have a really good team here, that they will be a Super Bowl contender next year, regardless of what happens this year. They should be. I say that, but they have a lot of work to do. How he's going to be busy this offseason because the Eagles have over a dozen players that are on one one year contracts who are they going to be able to bring back who are they going to let go this will be a vastly potentially different team next year but the solid core is pretty promising here no doubt so i'm sure that'll factor into kelsey's thoughts at the end of the season i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves let's see if the eagles do win a super bowl first but this could be a scenario where if the eagles do win it all this year uh kelsey uh, as well as Brandon Graham, guys like that might uh, might call it a day. So again, don't want to get too hard of ourselves. Just wanted to mention Kelsey made first team All Pro. 
Congratulations to both him and Lane. Second team All-Pro, James Bradbury. Well-deserved honor. He has uh, the third lowest opponent passer rating, 55.9 in the NFL. A minimum of 50 targets. Ranked third in the league in regular season and 17 passes defended. Started 17 games and played 98% of the defensive snaps, which is 1,017. Pretty wild that they keep these type of stats. Unbelievable. And he recorded three interceptions, 54 return yards, including a 27-yard interception return for touchdown versus the Lions in week one. Way back in week one. This name will not surprise anybody. A.J. Brown also made all-pro second team. He's also a Pro Bowl selection, as we know. He's one of the only three wide receivers um, to record 1,400-plus receiving yards, which we know is a franchise record, breaking Mike Quick's uh, Eagles record, and 10-plus receiving yards um, with 11 uh, joining Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs. So only three wide receivers did that this season, Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs. So he is in elite company. Tied for most games with 50-plus receiving yards with 14. Second among wide receivers and receiving touchdowns, uh, he was tied with 11. Second among wide receivers in yards per reception, 17, minimum of 50, care, uh, 50 receptions. Second among wide receivers in yards per target, 10.3. Second among wide receivers in yards per route run, 2.8. Second among wide receivers in yards after the catch, 548 yards. That's yak yards for those uh, fancy guys out there. Third among wide receivers in 30-plus yard catches, 13. And fourth among wide receivers in receiving yards, 1,496. Great season. A.J. Brown was everything and more that the Eagles were hoping for that we as fans were hoping for um he is an absolute stud at wide receiver and uh made this team uh, approach levels offensively that we haven't seen in a long long time so um kudos to howie for pulling off that trade last offseason that got us all super excited and um aj brown made it happen in his first year as a philadelphia eagle Jalen Hurts also made the second team all pro. Certainly well-deserved. Um, no doubt about it. Probably arguably could have been a first uh, first team all pro. Um, but uh, second team all pro obviously made the Pro Bowl as well. Led the Eagles to a 14-1 and record. 933 winning percentage as a starter. Completing three um, 306 passes out of 460 attempts for 66 and a half. For 3,701 yards, which is eight uh, yards average um, average completion percentage I should say uh, I'm sorry average completion is eight yards 22 touchdowns six picks and a 101.6 passer rating Jalen also rushed for 760 yards and 13 touchdowns and in total hurts combined for 4461 yards and 35 touchdowns spectacular season for Jalen Hurts. And on top of all of the statistics, we know how much of a leader this guy is. So I think that's still his, probably his best intangible is his uh, his leadership. He's, he's unbelievable. Um, some other interesting notes about Hurts. Came just the fourth NFL quarterback since 2000 to lead his team to 14-plus regular season wins while registering 35-plus touchdowns meaning total touchdowns, and eight or fewer giveaways. 
they, you know, he joins Patrick Mahomes in 2020, Aaron Rodgers in 2011, who won MVP that year, and Tom Brady in 2010, who also won MVP. Um, so that's elite, elite, elite status. Think about those names: Mahomes, Rodgers, and Tom Brady. That's the company that Hertz is in for this season. Unbelievable, unbelievable steps and strides that he made. At 24 years old, he became the second youngest quarterback in NFL history to win 14-plus games, trailing only Dan Marino with Miami in 1984 at 23 years old. Amazing. Below is a breakdown of Hertz. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't be reading that. Can you tell him reading? Uh, Hertz was first in 20-plus yard TDs, 15, and 20-plus yard passing TDs, 13. He was tied with it. Second in passer rating with 101.5, minimum 500 attempts. Second in yards per attempt. Again, the 8.05, minimum 500 attempts. Second in rushing TDs, 13. He was tied. Second most by quarterback in NFL history beside behind rather Cam Newton in 2011. He had 14 that year. Second in 20-plus yard plays with 59. He was tied. Third. In yards per game at 297.4, third in TD interception ratio, 3.7, minimum 500 attempts, and fourth in total TDs with 35. Unbelievable year by Jalen Hurts. Now we just hope that he can heal up and give us as much as he can for the playoffs and be as close to 100% as possible. Next up, this guy just really came on strong the second half of the season. Hassan Riddick, and again, another, another, Major props and shout out to Howie for for this signing because bringing Hassan to the Eagles was just a huge, huge uh, acquisition and signing by Howie. And I would say especially in the last several games, this guy has been a wrecking ball defensively for the Eagles. Kind of started off slow this year, but man, has he turned it on. And... uh Listen to these stats as I go through Hassan Riddick. So congratulations to him as making second team All-Pro. I really don't know how he's not first team All-Pro because to me, you know, I had a better season than Mika Parsons. I'm going to assume that I don't know if Mika Parsons actually did get first because he tweeted out there was some controversy. He tweeted out something about the uh, All-Pro list. So maybe he didn't make it either. I'm not sure. I'd have to take a look who who, uh, who did get the first, uh, uh, the All-Pro first team selections. But anyway. Regardless, Hassan Riddick, uh, who's, again, made the Pro Bowl, has been catalyst of the Philadelphia Eagles' leading pass rush. No question about it regarding, uh, you know, he had a career high in 16 sacks. So how about that? A career high, 16 sacks, five strip sacks, five forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. I mean, what a! not only is he a beast with the pass rush, but creating turnovers like that is is, is just an added bonus. It's amazing. Led the league with five strip sacks, like we said, ranked second overall in sacks, tied with 16. Among the top 10 players in total sacks, uh, he had the fewest pass rush snaps and the second highest sack rate. So, phenomenal. Just the third player since 1999 to produce 16 uh, plus sacks, five plus forced fumbles, and three plus fumble returns in a season, joining TJ Watt who was the defensive player of the year in 2021, and Chandler Jones in 2019, who was runner-up to defensive player of the year. Again, he is an elite company. 
terms of the seasons he's had. And 16 sacks are tied for the third most by any player in their first year with a team. Derek Burgess with Oakland in 2005, of course, <laughs> thinking about him, he was an eagle prior to going to Oakland. Um, behind uh, Shaq Barrett in Tampa with, in 2019 with 19 and a half sacks. And Bryce Pop. Oh, boy, do I hate that name. I still I know every time I hear Bryce Pop, uh, and most of you Eagle fans that have been around for a while know that name. He was the one that ended Randall Cunningham's 1991 season on opening day, Green Bay. Can't stand that name, 1995. Uh, 17 and a half sacks. Total the second most with at least a half sack, 12, including four games with two and a, two plus sacks. And he became the first NFL player to produce 10 plus sacks in consecutive seasons, three consecutive seasons with different teams, which is remarkable. I mean, why this guy keeps getting let go is ridiculous. Uh, so we're looking at Arizona, uh, which he did it with, and then Carolina the following year, and now uh, 16 sacks with the Eagles this year. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. He will be with the Eagles again for sure next season. So congratulations to all of those players. I wanted to uh, recognize them on the pod and talk about their season. So uh, to finish off this podcast, and again, appreciate everyone listening in. Uh, and remember, we do have a, uh, you can email the show at P-E-T-W-G at gmail.com. Again, that email address is P-E-T-W-G at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts. Sell us, you know, say hello. Uh, ask any questions you may have. I'll answer them on the air. All right. Let's, we'll uh, wrap this up here by just talking, giving you my thoughts on the NFL playoff games this weekend and i'll go in the order of the games we'll start off with the seattle seahawks going to san francisco this is the number seven seed versus the number two seed um a lot of people will look at this including myself and say that seattle's got absolutely no freaking chance of winning this game and they're gonna get probably blown out i still feel that way for the most part until i heard what the weather has been like out in California. Apparently they've been going, getting a lot of rain, a lot of rain, and some rain is expected also for this game, from what my understanding it is, uh, for the uh, during the game time tomorrow. So depending on how sloppy the field conditions are, and especially how you have, you know, Mr. Purdy there, a lot of people are just wondering when this guy's going to come crashing down to earth. He's been playing remarkably well since taking over for Garoppolo. Is this the game? As we know, turnovers can, uh, you know, play a critical role, not only just in a playoff game, but regular season games, as we know. So is this the game that gets a little sloppy and turnovers can potentially give Seattle a, a fighter's shot in this game? We know the type of coach that Pete Carroll is. And, you know, Pete Carroll is one of the, to me, the one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. And he always has his guys ready to play. Who would have thought that Seattle would have made the playoffs this year after losing Russell Wilson, having no idea, you know, who's going to play quarterback this year. They ended up going obviously with Geno Smith, who ended up having a great season, great comeback season. Good story there for Geno Smith. Um, I think everyone can appreciate that compared, you know, based on how his career has gone uh, in the NFL prior to this season. 
Um, they do have a lot of talent offensively on Seattle. Plus, they lost the uh, you know the heart and soul linebacker uh, as well at Seattle. Um, what the hell's his name? They went to the Rams. Um, his name was Tom Head. Um, but uh, so Seattle offensively, you know, get DK Metcalf. You got the the rookie Walker running back who's having a really good seat. You know, had a great rookie year running back over a thousand yards. And uh, and then of course you know Smith the way he's been playing. Can Seattle pull off what would be one of the biggest upsets? Uh, I think in in at least recent playoff history, could they go in and knock off the 49ers? again? Divisional game. These divisional games are also something you have to not underestimate. You know these teams know each other well, and uh, there's no question. Nobody's going to argue the fact that San Francisco is the far more talented team. The way their defense has been playing, especially, and then ever since they made the Christian McCaffrey trade, you know they've just given another weapon offensively. And you got Debu Samuel, of course, and Ayuk and uh, Kittle, a quarter at the uh, quarterback, Kittle at the tight end, who's one of the best in the league, and he's really come on lately. Uh, you know, Purdy's just doing his thing, and uh, you know he's not turning the ball over. He's uh, made the plays when he's needed to, and has managed that offense very, very well. Uh, so, you know, I don't see an upset happening here. I'm not trying to say that I'm predicting Seattle to upset San Francisco. I am not. I'm only saying that if the elements weather-wise end up playing a role in this game, it might be a little tighter than people see this game. I think the spread's like nine, something like that for this game. I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, but like I said, if the, if it's really a sloppy weather game, and so let's just say it's a monsoon and it's pouring their entire game, takes away a lot of the passing options for the 49ers, especially, and it becomes more of a running game. And you got the rookie Walker against McCaffrey, and you got the defense going against each other. Again, the much better defense is 49ers, so they would still, even in a running game situation where they couldn't pass the ball much potentially, uh, the 49ers would still be favored in that scenario just because they have a better defense. But. Sloppy weather can create sloppy conditions, which could create an increase in turnovers. And if uh, things happen where the 49ers turn the ball over too much and Seattle is able to recover these potential turnovers, then maybe we got a little bit closer game than people uh, would you know, expect just looking at this game on paper. We'll see. I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying that the it's possible that it could be uh, raining during the game and, and cause some, some issues. Uh I still see the 49ers winning this game. I think the for as Eagle fans as we all are, uh, we got to hope. Best case scenario would be for Seattle to pull off an upset there for two reasons. And the third is not a good reason for the Eagles. So that's why I'm only going to say there's two reasons. <laughs> I'll tell you about the third reason. But the two reasons are, number one, most importantly, they knock the 49ers out of the playoffs. Because I think most Eagle fans agree that is the biggest threat an obstacle in the way of the Eagles getting to the Super Bowl. Because that 49ers team can can give the Eagles, even in Philadelphia, problems with the defense that they have, uh, the coach that they have, and the offense that they have, and the weapons that could you know really cause some issues with the with the Eagles defensively. That's the biggest threat. I think a lot of us believe that. And if Seattle's able to knock them off, that would be a huge benefit to the Eagles not having to face them on the road to the Super Bowl. That being said, They would be the Eagles' opponent next week. Seattle would obviously have some momentum. 
coming off of that game. And Seattle is a team that I can't remember the last time the Eagles actually beat Seattle. It's just one of those teams that the Eagles don't face all that often. But when they do, are never able to win. I don't know what it is with the Eagles and Seahawks, but I swear I can't remember the last time the Eagles beat the Seattle Seahawks. I cannot even recall. That's how long it's been, number one. I'll have to look it up. If that Certainly I'll, I'll look it up if, if this scenario does somehow take shape and the Eagles are end up facing Seattle. But you have to still welcome that, you know, because not only are the 49ers out of the way, Seattle comes has to come all the way across the country for the second road game. This time, again, traveling all the way across the country to play the Eagles at home. You got to love that. And uh, there's no Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was one of the main reasons why the Eagles never beat him because Russell Wilson's never lost to the Eagles. So I know when I was just trying to think of when the last time the Eagles beat Seattle, they never, they haven't beat Seattle since w- Russell Wilson's been there. So that goes back to, what, 2012? So it's been over 10 years since the Eagles have beaten Seattle, at least. Who knows how much prior, prior to that, but I can at least say it's been 10 years because I know Russell Wilson's never lost to the Eagles. So there we go. Gives me at least a bit more of a time frame of what I was talking about. Okay, all that said, if that was to happen, you still would have to welcome that scenario. But I don't see that happening. I think the 49ers win that game. I'm not going to give any scores. I'll just say that I, I feel that the 49ers will be able to, you know, should be able to handle Seattle relatively easy. Um, the second game on the Saturday schedule is the uh, Chargers traveling to Jacksonville. And our friend, our good friend, former coach, Doug Peterson. This game is interesting. I think it's going to be a very good game. Out of the, I mean, unless Seattle is able to make the 49er game a game, which again I don't see happening. Uh, but that Chargers Jacksonville game should be a fun one to watch. I think Jacksonville has got a lot of momentum. That crowd in Jacksonville was kind of impressive to me. I, you know, I never really thought. Or you you don't really think that Jacksonville's got like a really good home field advantage. I never thought that, but um, but that's the other thing that that I think uh, not only Trevor Lawrence but uh, Doug Peterson has brought to Jacksonville is there's there was a pretty good energy going on in that stadium. Uh, I don't know if it was last week's game or the week prior. Um, they were loud. That Jacksonville crowd impressed me. So I, I was I really was shocked. I didn't think there was that much energy and passion down in Jacksonville. Uh, so whatever the case and whatever reasons it's there now. And, uh, so that's, that was, I was impressed by the Jacksonville home crowd. Um, this is going to be a close game. I can definitely see the chargers. I don't even call it an upset. I mean, I think the chargers can easily win this game. There's a lot of good weapons and they got them back. I mean, they're going to be minus Mike Williams. So that will hurt the chargers chances, but Keenan Allen, has is back to Keenan Allen. He missed like a lot of games earlier in the season, and then it took him a while just to come back because he, you know, he kind of came back and he was injured again. Like he missed most of the first half of the season with injury. Keenan Allen in the second half, especially in the last few games, Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen again. I think he had over 200 yards receiving didn't he? last week or a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's he's been on fire and he's a great wide receiver. And Eckler. I ignore him every year in fantasy. I never drafted a guy. To this day, I've still never drafted Austin Eckler in fantasy because every year I see him ranked as high as he is, and I'm like, I can't can't pick this guy as my number one back. And uh, every year at the end of the season, I'm like, damn it, I should have taken Eckler. 
It's just he's 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 way better than I give him credit for. And uh, you know he's now to the point where I would consider uh, drafting Austin Eckler, but now probably too late uh, in saying that. But Austin Eckler has been an absolute beast uh, and had another great great season. And uh, so you know that's going to be a good game. And obviously we know how talented uh, Justin Herbert is. So and their defense is. Oh, been okay. It's gotten a little bit better as the season's gone on. It's definitely not one of the elite defenses in the NFL. In fact, I think Jacksonville's defense is better than the Chargers' defense. This is going to be a good game. I am definitely going to be tuned in to that Chargers-Jacksonville game. I think it's going to be really, really, really a good game. Um, and, God, it's hard for me to predict who's going to win this one. This is really a toss-up game for me. In my opinion, this could go either way. Flip a coin. I mean, that's how close I feel this game is. Um, Chargers are the five seed, and Jacksonville is the four seed. The question to me is, is Jacksonville, is, is Trevor Lawrence ready? Is the team in general ready for a playoff game? Um, you know Herbert is. He's already been tested. He's played in big games. Lawrence has not played in any like big, super important games yet. We know how Herbert is in those games and those situations. His battle with Mahomes last year. Um, I think he's had even some battles with Allen, but for certainly with Mahomes he has. And he's really, you know, Raiders game. I mean, he's he's just really been uh, he's a guy that you know is 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 gonna perform well in big spots. Uh not the same that, that Lawrence can't, but we haven't seen Lawrence in this type of scenario yet. Um, again, I think Jacksonville does have the better defense. They are at home. Man, I'm trying to make a call. I may have to come to that, back to this game before I... I'll just call it now. Who do I think is going to win? Uh, this one, I don't know if there's, a, if there's a playoff game this weekend that is as close as this one is. In my, you know, I don't think so. Really not, actually, as a look at the rest of the Rest of the uh, the lineup here. Mm. I'm going to say that Chargers are going to somehow pull this game out. That's what I'm going to say. So I will go with the Chargers in this one. I think it'll be a close game, like within a field goal or a last-minute touchdown, something like that. So... That's what I'll go with, but I absolutely will not be surprised at all if Jacksonville wins that game. That's how close I see that one. But I'll go with the Chargers in a close one. Now to Sunday's games, we uh, will start off with the Dolphins and Buffalo uh, game in Buffalo. Uh, This game is going to be the biggest blowout of the entire weekend, uh, with the potential exception of the 49ers Seattle game, if they're just able to just blow them out as well as possible. Excuse me. So the Bills shouldn't have any problem at all. It's it's tough for Miami going in without Tua. You know, they, they got like their backup, backup quarterback. You know, they couldn't even go to uh, Bridgewater in this one. So they're on their third string quarterback in a playoff game against the number two ranked Buffalo Bills with all the, you know, the sediment and everything with the Hamlin situation. By the way, because uh, I know I haven't really updated anyone on this show. Uh, and I don't know what type of audience I get. I know this broad, this podcast can go across the world, 
So if and there's anyone tuning in this podcast that hasn't heard the latest on Hamlin, um, uh, he was released from the hospital less than you know, about a week later after he was dead on the field. I mean, like I've said, they had to revive his heart twice on the field during that during that uh, tragic uh, time frame there uh, with the Bills Cincinnati game, and a week later, the amazing recovery that Hamlin had uh just an incredible story they're still running tests and all that on him but he has been released from the hospital it is remarkable it is an amazing amazing story and uh i just wanted to uh say that in case there's anyone who was not aware of or got an update on his, his scenario uh, anywhere in the world so okay that is an easy call buffalo wins that game handily that game will be over with by halftime. I am pretty much convinced of that. Unless for some reason Buffalo turns the ball over, some quirky things happen in that game. But that's that's going to be the most non-competitive game of the weekend. This next one is an interesting one because everybody and their brother are on the Giants bandwagon. It's the number six seed Giants going to Minnesota. Uh, to face the Vikings. Now, the Vikings, without question, have been one of the most fortunate teams in the NFL this year. They won all of those tight games, barely, to end up with the you know impressive record that they that they ended up with. Uh, but they, I don't, their defense is just so bad. I, I've never seen a team with a record uh, like they have. Were they thirteen and four, something like that? Uh, and, and, and have such a horrible defense. And one thing they're not good at is stopping the run. And the Giants, obviously, we're bringing in one of the most uh, dynamic backs in the NFL and, and uh, Saquon Barkley. If this was 100% healthy Barkley going to this game, then I would give the Giants uh, a, a better chance than I think that they already have. But Barkley's been banged up. He's not been playing 100%. Now, he did get last week off against the Eagles, so I think that'll help him. Uh, and I think you're going to see a big dose of Barkley because again the Giants don't have a lot of offensive weapons. They don't, you know, they're they're, you know, Hodges is they're basically now turning their number one wide receiver. That was a guy they picked off the scrap heap a few weeks ago. So there's not a, a lot of offensive talent, and this is why, for me, when I assess this game, uh, I don't know if the Giants have enough firepower to stick with Minnesota. And I understand why the Giants are a. Uh, with a lot of momentum and people picking the Giants. I, I understand why, because the Vikings defense is just so bad. But they're going to score offensively. Um, I know Kirk Cousins in the playoffs, not all that great. I know the Giants have a pretty good defense. Uh, they definitely have the better defense in this game. Um, but I just don't know if the Giants have enough offensive scoring ability and capability to hang with the Vikings. Like, as good as the Giants' defense has been playing, I still think that the Vikings will put up 28 or more points in this game. I just do. Um, I think Jefferson, I can see him going off. I can see, you know, they got Delvin Cook, one of the better running backs in the league. Uh, they got Adam Thielen, of course. Uh, they got Osborne, a wide receiver. They got a you know, Hot, uh, Hotkinson uh, at tight end. 
lot for Kirk Cousins to to work with offensively. Um, and it's not like the Giants have a juggernaut defense. It's pretty good and, uh, you know, definitely better than what the Vikings would be putting on the field. But for me, and I can see the Giants winning this game. I won't be shocked if the Giants do pull off an upset here. But I don't think they have enough offensive firepower to beat Minnesota, so I'm going to take Minnesota at home in that game. Um, but it should be a, a very interesting game to watch for sure. The Baltimore Ravens go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a three seed. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate for them what happened to the in the Bills game because they could have been a two seed uh, had they beat the Bills that night. The game was postponed, but they end up at the number three seed. This game's at home, but they do get. Uh, Playing with the third seed, they get an easy to me game against the Ravens, who uh, you know Jackson is not playing in that game. No Lamar Jackson uh, going to Cincinnati. This game should be a blowout. Also, I think the Bengals will absolutely roll the Ravens. I don't see this being a close game at all. I really don't. I think that a game will be over, um, be over pretty decided by the by the third quarter, uh, end of the third quarter for sure. All right. So I don't really have – I mean, there's just too much offensive power, offensive firepower in Cincinnati, and their defense is playing pretty well too. So, again, I don't see the Ravens uh, pulling off upset in that game. Which brings us to the last game of round one, that being Monday night, the Dallas Cowboys. And this is a situation the Eagles almost faced themselves in had they lost that game against the Giants, which, as we know, was a lot tighter than we all thought it was going to be. But the Eagles, and probably maybe got fortunate the way the Eagles have been playing, and the fact that Hurts has been hurt, if the Giants had to play their starters in that game, I don't know if the Eagles would have won. Because that because Hurts was not Hurts, as we know. Uh, so they probably would have went with Minshew, potentially, or Hurts with that sort of uh, quasi-offense because he's not 100%. I mean, the Eagles got lucky because, or, or else they would be in the shoes of the Cowboys, having to go to Tampa and f- play Tom Brady. But thankfully, the Eagles are not in that situation. We're going to be at home resting and watching. And the Cowboys, who just looked horrible, and I watched at least, I think I watched the. Uh, most of the I watched all the first half, and I'm kind of into the third. I was watching the game because I'm like, wow, I have to watch how how bad Dallas played uh, against Washington. So I, I basically have watched the majority of that game, and Dak was horrible. I don't know what the heck was going on, but he was all over the place. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. Dak always plays so great against the Eagles. It's like it's hard to watch him struggle, but he's not had a good season. He has thrown uh, the, the league high in interceptions, and he played five, missed five games. So they're definitely going into this game after playing a horrible uh, game against Washington. And you're against a team that had a losing record in Tampa, had a really bad season, and is not a good team. That being said, Tampa has shown some signs of life over the last couple of weeks. And Tom Brady in the playoffs is something you never want to see on the opposite side of the field. So, you know, you throw all that into the mix. There's no question Dallas is the far better team, talent-wise. 
um, but they are the Cowboys. And Tom Brady's Tom Brady. And Mike Evans is Mike Evans. And they're getting some guys back healthy on the offensive line, from what I'm understanding. Uh, Worfs, I think his name is, uh, is back. The center, I think, is back. He's been out all of the year. So if they get those guys back, you know, Fournette has not been able to run as much as, because he's a pretty good back, but he's not been able to run as well this year because of the banged-up offensive line. They haven't been able to protect Brady as well this year because of the banged-up offensive line. So if those two guys do return for this game, which my understanding is that there's a good possibility of that happening, then suddenly they've got pretty much their starting offensive line back at just the right time. Now, does that make all the difference in the world? I think it'll definitely help. Will that be enough to pull and put Tampa Bay over the top? They do have this game at home. So not only is Dallas, who had a 13-4 and record during the regular season, or was it 12-5, and whatever they finished. I mean, very good record. And they uh, have to go on a road to play the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's the my assessment of this game. Would it shock me if Tampa Bay upsets Dallas here? Because it would be an upset, even though Tampa's at home. Dallas is favored. Um, it definitely wouldn't shock me. I'd love to see it because I hate the Cowboys. This will be one of the few times in my life that I root for Tom Brady because I can't stand Tom Brady. That's because I live in New England and uh, it's tolerating – Patriot fans all these years has, has just worn me down. Plus, I do want to really get into it. He should have two more Super Bowl losses than he has. He's really had a lot of breaks. Not taken away from his greatness. Obviously, he's good. If not, you know, obviously he's great. Uh, but I'm not a Tom Brady fan. So, I do think Dallas will win this game. So, I'll just put that out there. Um, I don't think Tampa's going to win. But I would love to see it happen. And it would not surprise me if it happens. So that's, you know, I think Dallas will uh, will figure it out. I just don't have enough to believe in Tampa against Dallas. Um, but uh, I don't like Dallas's coach. I think he's an idiot. Um, Dallas is going to that game not playing too well. And the way that Dak's been turning the ball over, there's, there's a lot of reasons why Tampa can win this game. You know, Tom Brady. And uh, the way Dallas is playing heading into this game, but um, but I do think Dallas just has too much talent and uh, and will be able to uh, to win that game. Uh, but I'll be rooting. I'll be rooting for Tampa. And uh, yeah. So anyway, did a lot of blabbering this this show, but I just wanted to give you my uh, my thoughts on the Eagles, the injury situation. Congratulate our guys that made the uh, All Pro team. And talk about the uh, the playoffs. So who do I see playing the Eagles? Uh, which, by the way, yours truly will be at the game. I did get tickets. So I'll be traveling down from Connecticut. And we'll be there in person to watch the Eagles probably take on the, well, according to my predictions, they will be playing Dallas. So uh, unless the Giants are able to upset Minnesota, which can happen. I would not be surprised. Uh, or Seattle, this one would surprise me, is able to knock off the 49ers. 
then it would be Seattle. But um, most likely it'll be the Cowboys next week, potentially the Giants, as far as how things kind of will uh, go out this week. So that said, thank you all again for tuning in. Appreciate it. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the bye week. We just get to sit back and see who's going to be our victim at the link next weekend. Until then, thank you, Eagles Nation, for tuning in. As always, appreciate it. Take care, and we'll talk next time. Take care, buddy. We'll see you.